The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. My mother-in-law has been asking for a car, a new car, for many, many years. Um, they, they were driving a 98 or 97 Dodge Caravan. We call it the paddy wagon. And then she was driving, they had an old Lexus sedan that was given to them by her mother, which was a 2002. On Friday, the Lord heard her pleas, and her car exploded on the side of the road. Now, obviously, I don't know that she was asking for God to explode her car with two of her grandchildren in the car when it began to catch on fire. Good news is, um, for those of you who are friends with her on Facebook, the, the car was on fire, engulfed in flames, burnt to a crisp. The grandkids were out safely, and they watched it from afar. Um, the only casualty that we have is that my nephew lost his sippy cup in the great fire of 2018. But I've often wondered and asked, um, why do these things, types of things, happen? Uh, and many people have asked, why, you know, why, do I, why did I get this sickness? Why did I get this disease? Is God doing this to me for punishment? The answer is no. And today we're going to look at um, the, the final chapter of Jonah. We're squeezing this chapter out. We, did, we started in Jonah chapter 4 last week. Next week is the last week in this series of Jonah. Today we're going to be in verses 5 through 10. We're going to leave one verse for next week. Jonah chapter 4, verses 5 through 10. I want to pray because I, I think that there's some of us in here who question God's love because of the things that happen in our life. Uh, This morning's message is just simply titled, It's Your Sin Versus God's Love. And we're going to see how those two things collide in Jonah's story. So let's pray and read God's word. Father, um, we are here to be a people of your kingdom, to understand what it means that we are already citizens. We are already people who belong to you. We are already bound by the principles and the ethic of what it means to be a follower of the one true king. But Lord, there are so many of us that are stuck, that are trapped, that have things that are holding our life back, that are breaking down our relationships, that are robbing us of joy. Lord, I pray that today we would all see, see our sin clearly, and that we would see you ever more clearly, that we would be transfixed upon who you are and what you have done for us through Jesus. So God, bless the reading of your word this morning. Help us to see and hear the eternal truths. In Jesus' name, all God's kids said, amen. Jonah, this is after the Ninevites repented. Jonah, after he had been swallowed, spit out of the fish. Jonah, after he had already told God, I'm so angry at you, God, because you were merciful to my enemies. This is what Jonah does after that. He went out of the city And he sat to the east of the city, and he made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade. I I was uh, hollering at someone today. If you're new to Florida, you won't get this yet. But uh, my brother Rob parked way in the back. And for the first service, there's plenty of parking spots. He parked way in the back. And I said, that's a true Floridian, because he was parking under a tree. And then if you're a truer Floridian, you don't just park in where shade is. You park and where shade will be when you go back to your car. I don't know how you guys do that yet. I don't have my sundials dialed in. But Rob was out there. I said, this is a true Floridian. And now next week, like all the tree spots are going to be taken. So if you can't find a tree spot, just park next to one of the big vans. It's just as good as a tree. (laughs) Thank God for people who breed. Jonah's in the shade. He's 
He's looking at the city because he still wants the city to be destroyed. (laughs) And I love this, in his little pop-up tent. But verse 6, God makes it sweeter. Now the Lord God appointed a plant, this Floridian, to grow, made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade, an even greater shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed the plant. Next day, God appoints a what? A worm. Some of us got worms in our lives, amen? I'm just kidding. No, don't, don't amen that. God appointed a worm and attacked the plant so that it withered when the sun rose. Ah, it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind. In Florida, we just call this wind. And the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, like my four or five-year-old, yes, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. Just throwing a tamper tantrum. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. Man, Jonah is a grumpy guy. I need us to understand something. The Bible is not a story, and I've said this before, I'll say it hundreds of times till I die. The Bible is not a story of good people who are doing great things. The Bible is a record of broken people who do bad things, and there's one person in the Bible who proves to be perfect, and that is Jesus. The stories in the Bible, like Jonah, are here for us so that we can see pieces of ourself within the story, because some of us have tried to run from God. I've tried to run from God. When I, when I tried to run from God, um, God was there with me. When I tried to run from God, I, I, when I sold my, all my belongings and I moved to Hawaii because I wanted to suffer deeply for the Lord, I, I went swimming every day at a beach. It was at a, on the big island called the Honokahau Harbor. And I would go down there, and I was angry at God, so I was angry at the church. And I would just swim, and I'd spearfish, I'd snorkel, because it was Hawaii. It's what you do. And it wasn't until months later that someone told me, um, you know the place where you go swimming every day? You know what that place is called? That We call that Tiger Shark Alley. And I'm like, why do you guys call it that? Because I'm dumb. Because tiger sharks swim there, and it's narrow like an alley. Oh. And they said, you know those turtles that you're always going underwater to see? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, those are like Snickers bars for tiger sharks. So you are swimming with tiger shark bait by yourself every day for the last three months. I said, would you think it's a good idea that I stop? And they said, well, you should probably pick a new beach. And I said, no. Now, I didn't know this at the time, but I'm confident that God was guiding me through my stupidity. Just as many of you have been guided through your stupidity. Some of us have made poor choice after poor choice, and, and we don't get all of the consequences that we deserve for these things. Jonah today is showing us that even though you are connected to God, even though you can talk with God, you can still be broken in your view of who God is. Some of us have persistent sins, and that's what I want us to get freedom from today. Does anyone in here have uh, sin in their life they want to see freedom from? Anyone? Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, seven of us. The rest of y'all, burn, baby, burn. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> 
but maybe not. I don't know you personally, maybe. Uh, so if there's sin in your life that you want freedom from, and it's obviously one of those rhetorical questions. If you're here, you're probably thinking, yeah, there's a sin. Otherwise, why would I be here, dummy? I need freedom from something in my life. Now, here's the thing that we don't get, that we don't often understand. Uh, discovering freedom from sin is accomplished by pressing into the reality of who God has already saved you to become. Uh, let, let me put this another way. When Jesus died on the cross, when you put your faith in him, when you say, I need a savior to rescue me from the brokenness of my life, in my life I've turned to other things to find worth, I've turned to other things to find significance, and, and I realized that those, those things that I was doing, I was serving another God, we call that sin in the church, I need to turn back to God. Now, when Jesus died and you put your faith in him, in that moment, legally, you were made perfect before God. The legal uh, requirements of the law have been met. It is as if you had never sinned. The Bible even says, God remembers your sin no more. Don't ask me how an omniscient being remembers something no more. In, in that moment, you're perfect. In that moment, it was the courtroom case where the judge says, boom, you are innocent because Jesus paid the penalty. In that moment, you're also virtually perfect. Your virtues before God are pure because you are clothed in Jesus. But in that moment, you are not actually, the actuality of your life is not perfect. This is why we still sin. Before God, you look beautiful and righteous and pure. Before God, you are legally his, adopted into the family. But also in this moment, some of you still, I've seen, sin from time to time. Because we're friends on Facebook and Instagram. So I know you. At least the you that you pretend to be online. I don't know the other part, maybe. And, and this got me to thinking, how, how do we understand the reality that, that sin has been dealt a death blow? On the cross, it wasn't Jesus who was killed for eternity. It was sin and death. That was the mortal blow. And, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of a city kid, so I'm not, I don't have the same animal keenness that some of you guys have. Uh, one of my favorite um, just like a, well, you know, you get those blessings of seeing something unique when you're not expecting it. One of my favorite things to do, and you should try this, if you don't have a hillbilly friend in your life, you can borrow Jared. He's my hillbilly friend. When we drive anywhere in Florida in the same car, Jared sees every living animal that you've never seen because I'm from the city. I know how to look out for gang signs. I know which neighborhoods I will get shot in. I know when to roll up my windows, when to lock my doors. But Jared's like, there's an armadillo right there. I'm like, where? And, he, and there comes our armadillo. And then he's like, there's something over here in the bushes. There's a bird over here. There's a bug over here. He sees everything. I think if you're born in Tennessee, if you have the redneck or hillbilly gene, you've got a, an animal dar, like a radar, but for animals. And you just pew, pew, pew. And I think it's because you had to hunt them to live. Well, I don't know why, the real reason, but... Um, uh, but it's amazing, and, and I love, uh, I've, my experience with animals is so limited. My experience with am, animals um, was really just like you would see squirrels, raccoons, and then ocean creatures, because that's where I lived. But I've discovered armadillos since I've been in Florida, because armadillos are the greatest of God's creation. I mean, maybe second. There's like the platypus, where God was like, watch this, Picasso. Rah! And then there's the armadillos. It's like a giant rat with armor, and I think they're blind, okay? But um, I have also learned something. If you get near an armadillo um, that is endangered or has its children endangered, they've got some wicked noises they can make. Have any of you guys chased an armadillo before? 
Is this something that only kids from the city do? Okay, anyway, I wanted to get closer. So this is me, one night on my walk, and, um, and we have these armadillos in my neighborhood. And I see an armadillo in the distance, and it's got little bitty armadillos around it. And I'm like, I'm going to get this. I open up my camera app, and I'm just... But my camera, it doesn't zoom in very good, so I'm, I'm zooming. Zoom, zoom, zoom. I'm like, no, it's too pixely because it's so dark. I've got to get closer. I've got to get closer. When you're about this close to an armadillo, you're not an armadillo, you're a Filipino. When you get this close to an armadillo, all of a sudden it starts making these noises. And I didn't think, like mama bears, baby bears, mama armadillos, whatever they call baby armadillos, armadilli, I don't know. And, um, and all of a sudden they turn on me. And they're looking around like Ray Charles because they're blind. And um, I'm like, you can't get me. And in that moment, it started coming toward me. And I'm thinking, I've seen your weakness. Front tires. I can take you out. But then I thought, I don't know how strong armadillo armor is. So now the armadillos are facing me. I'm facing them. They make a noise at me. I make a noise at them. Their noise is like, my nose is like, ah! I'm from the city. I can walk through the Bloods and the Crips. Put me in front of an armadillo. I don't know what to do. And uh, run, Forrest, run. So I, I backed away slowly. I, and I, had, uh, I come to realize, as I'm backing away looking at this thing, that not only is that armadillo kind of messed up, like something happened to it because it's all jacked up in its hindquarters. One of the babies had something, or the kidlets. I don't know how big this big. Kidlets was a little jacked up. I thought, oh, they're injured. They think I'm going to eat them. Because in Florida, things eat other things. That's why this, this mom was just going crazy. It was lashing out because it was already injured. It was lashing out because it felt endangered. In the, in the same way, you, you may ask, why is it that when I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm still sinning? Why is it that when I'm a follower of Jesus, things can still go bad? As a matter of fact, Sometimes when you become a follower of Jesus, churches have spun a lie that says, if you come to Christ, everything is good and okay and hunky-dory. If you come to Jesus, just blessings arise in the financial health factories of life. But I've found oftentimes the opposite is true. Because in the moment that you place your faith in Jesus, your sin was paid for legally and a death blow was dealt to it, but it's now like a thrashing animal wanting to, with its dying breath, destroy as much as it can possibly destroy. Don't corner armadillos that are injured in protecting their young. Don't corner raccoons. These are things that will attack you in the same way if you think that coming to Jesus, all of a sudden, life is going to get super easy. You've been sold a bundle of lies because your sin has been dealt a death blow, but your sin doesn't always know it. How do you get from the point of sinning in your life, having brokenness, having things that you turn to that are not God, to being a faithful, holy follower of Jesus? Leads me to my next favorite illustration. Now, I need to, I need to know how many people do this, so actually raise your hands. Do you do your own lawn care? Raise your hand if you do. Okay, so that's a good amount of us. I was curious. I didn't know, because I know some people buy their lawn care. I tried that for a little bit, but I just thought I'd try to mow the lawn, and I really enjoy it. I'm learn, I've learned all about St. Augustine grass. I had this patch in front of my house that was dying. I don't know if it was chinch bugs, Florida heat, 
rain not being there enough. My spr- I don't know what it was. It was dying. So I'm aiming my sprinklers. I'm fertilizing. I'm doing the bug spray. I'm doing it all. But this part was just dying. So I went out and I got the plugs, these St. Augustine plugs. You go to Home Depot and get a tray of them. It's like little mini baby grass. And you plug it in the dead spots. St. Augustine grass, it's like a spider web. It just runs out. Now, I didn't know how they worked. I mean, I, I understood the concept. But now it's been a year since I put these plugs in. And where there was weeds growing, crab grass stuff, these little clovery things, this weird grass that grows way faster than the rest of my grass. It's a weed. These little spiky ones with the pink flowers. You guys have all those if you're a Florida, Florida person. I planted my things around them. And the weeds had just been starting to take over this side of my lawn. And I planted them a year ago. If you go out to my front lawn today, it's just green lush St. Augustine grass. You could tan on it. You could, you could sit on that and be comfortable, albeit a little itchy. But it's there. It destroyed the weeds. Those little grass plugs destroyed the weeds. A little fertilizer, a little love, a little water. Now, I'll tell you what. The weeds last year did not know that they were about to die. I've weeded before, but then they grow back. I wanted a permanent solution. So I had to get healthy grass to grow where the weeds were. Now that I know how this works, I'm gonna do it again because I got a spot in my backyard I gotta fix over by my bamboo. I'm gonna go plant the grass plugs again, but this time I'm gonna look at the weeds and I'm gonna say, your days are numbered. (laughs) They might not know that it's coming, but that St. Augustine is coming for you. It's gonna grow in so thick, it's gonna kill your weedy little attitude. Right now, also getting out some of my parental angst. It's going to kill you, weeds. <laughs> and, uh, and I'll go back a year later, and I'll look at the victory. This is how you have to overcome sin in your life. You look at an area of sin, and you have to take the seed of God, plant it in the area, because the seed of God is this. It's already 100% yours in Christ. The seed of God is guaranteed to grow into what it is going to be. It is full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. This is what God's seed is and has within it. And it's already dealt the legal death blow to sin in your life. It's already said all of these things that you deserve punishment for are paid for, but we still are plagued by bad relationships. We're still plagued by tempers that flare up in an instant. We're still plagued by greed or comparing ourselves to others. We're still plagued by judging others so that it makes ourselves feel better for a moment in time. Those are areas where you've got weeds in your life because you're not planting the seed of God in those areas. The reason we don't often see and don't often have the ability is because we are playing the quick game, the quick fix. The quick fix game is just laying sod, right? But I'm poor, so sod is not an option. The other option I thought about is getting a sod remover tool and stealing sod from my neighbors. But they come to the chapel now, so I can't. So then I thought, I'm not going to buy sod. I could buy some weed and feet and some plugs. But it's the patience that you have to have. It's the same patience that you have to have when you're raising children because your children are not going to be what you want them to be the moment they are born. It's a waiting game. It's a marathon. The Christian life is not a sprint. If you're in this for the sprint, if you're like, my marriage is bad, I'm going to come get the fix, and then when it's good, I'm out, you're going to start tripping and stumbling as soon as you walk away from God because you're, you've taken your eyes back off of God and you've put them back on whatever it was that you were living for 
beforehand. So how are you playing the spiritual marathon? Are you willing to plant a seed and wait a year? Are you willing to plant a seed and wait five years? I've been praying for things, some things in my life for a long, long time. I've been praying for my wife, um, her cyst in her brain, for 12 years. Charlie's been praying for her for 30 years, or maybe not that long, because whenever they had the cyst, 20-something years, just praying, Lord, heal my wife, heal my wife. God, it'd be great if you'd heal my wife. It's like a song. I just pray it in the morning. Some mornings, I'm like, God, I'm just so exhausted. Like, God, why haven't you answered me? I've been praying for 12 years, Lord. And I sometimes wonder what God is like up in heaven when I say, God, I've been praying for 12 years. And he's like, I am eternal. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Or he says something like, Ryan, you've been praying for 12 years. I put Moses in the desert for 40. That was his training ground. He, he lived for 40 years as the prince of Egypt. He was in the, year, the desert for 40 years. When he was 80, I finally gave him his mission. And then I also let him know partway through his mission, you're actually not even going to get to finish your mission. You're going to see it and then die. I'm like, yeah, God, I don't want that one. I'll stick with praying for a few more years, Lord. Some of you have been caught in these patterns, and you think, what's the quick way out? Until you've lived a little bit, you, you haven't, maybe you don't realize that there is no quick way out. Planting the seed of God in your life doesn't instantly destroy all of the weeds, but it will grow. If the seed of God is truly in you, it will begin to spread out and take over areas of your life. Areas where once you were short-tempered, you will become patient because God has been patient with you. Areas where once you had been critical of others because of the way they act, talk, think, dress, whatever, you will become less critical because God was showing no criticalness of you on the cross of Christ. He didn't just mock the problem from afar. He dealt with it. He helped us through it, and he's given you his spirit to do the same to others. Sin is a creepy thing. If you want to defeat sin, it involves planting seeds in your life. And I didn't put this on the slides, although although I should have. Maybe I'll put it on next week's um, Five Bullet Friday email. If you're not getting that, you could text my number, email me. Um, I just send out five things to help you grow spiritually. Apps, books I'm reading, songs I'm listening to, things that are are helpful, I think, for the the family here. And and there's a website that I love. Um, It's called openbible.info slash topics. And you could just go to openbible.info. But I love it because it has this question. It says, what does the Bible say about? And there's a blank. And you could write anything in there. Depression, anger, lust, addiction. And the results it returns to you are not someone's opinion. It's just Bible verses. That's it. There's no thrills, no frills. It's not fancy. There's no graphics. There's no animated GIFs. It's just verse, 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 verse. So if you have something in your life and you're like, how do I get the seed of God into that area of my life. And I'm just going to use a couple basic examples. Anger. What does the Bible say about anger? It'll just give you a bunch of verses. Read them. And as you're reading, pray. Say, Lord, I need some of these verses to hide into my heart. Because Psalm 119.11 says, Lord, I've hid your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. So you find a verse that, that is resonating to you. You write it on a sticky note. And as you write it, you say it out loud. And then you put it on your bathroom mirror. And then you write another, the same verse, and you put it on your car mirror or on your dashboard, on your steering wheel, wherever you get angry. And you memorize it. You say it out loud. Because the, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So when you are beginning to have anger, it's a sign that your faith is in something else. A lot of people think sin is just breaking God's do's and don'ts. Sin, at the core of what it is, 
is turning to another God that's not the true and living God. Usually, things like anger, it's that we want to be in control and something fell out of our control, so we lash out with rage. Instead, put that verse there so when you feel it coming up, say, Lord, I'm not going to let the sun go down on my anger today because it's, it's not healthy. If you're in a relationship, it's not healthy for you to let sun go down on your anger again and again and again. That's how you go from spooning to the back-to-back thing, you know, or with your kids to let anger go down with the sun and you're angry with them when they go to sleep, you're angry with them when they wake up. At least give your children or grandchildren a fresh chance each morning to blow it and let you down. But plant the seed of God, the word of God, right in the middle of where the, the dry spot of your life is. And then wait. Be patient because God is patient with you. Imagine God with Jonah. Here's Jonah. I'm running from you, God. God swallows him with a fish. God vomits, the fish vomits him on the shore. He preaches the worst message ever, and God's still right there. And God actually makes his message successful. This is what every preacher dreams of. Every preacher's dream is that we'll preach a message, and the people will go forth and love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They will push back the darkness in their city till the homelessness is gone, till there's no more kids who need fostering. This, this is what our dream is. All of us have this little fluttery, pie-in-the-sky utopian dream. Jonah's message succeeds, and God is merciful. And Jonah says, I didn't want that. I wanted them to die. I wanted them to be off, Lord, but you saved them. So then God gives Jonah an illustration. Plant up, worm, plant down. Jonah gets grumpy. God caused the plant to grow and to die. God in your life may cause things to happen, not because he is punishing you, but because he's trying to rip your attention away from the thing that's trying to destroy you. Now, I don't know if my mother-in-law's car blew up because God was trying to get anyone's attention. I mean, at the end of the day, sometimes cars just blow up. In my mind, when I first heard it, when um, my wife called and said, or no, my mother-in-law called and said, the car's on fire, it's on the side of the road, what should I do? I didn't know like, if she was in the car, because you, know, you just never know, because people do different things in, in emergency situations. So I said, you should probably get out of the car. Do you need me? I'll, I'll turn around. I was taking the other kids that I had to the movies to give some uh, alleviate pressure of kidness at my house because there's just kids all week. And she said, okay, thank you. So I'm turning around. My wife calls. Did you hear the car's on fire? Yes, I heard the car's on fire. I told your mother to get out of the car. I thought that'd be smart. It was good advice. Now, I don't know what, if God was trying to get Melody's attention or Charlie's attention. I don't know. I'll tell you what, though. Yesterday, they showed up at my house with their new car. Did you bring the new car, Charlie? Did you park far away from everybody? Yeah. So when you guys leave here this morning, just go park right next to the white Jeep Cherokee out there. Just close that bad boy in. Get both vans. Boom, boom. Like a little Oreo. Don't do that. I don't know if God was trying to get his attention. I don't know for what reason. I know God's always trying to get our attention because all of us all the time have something where we are distracted from God. But I need us to understand that sin... It's not just something that we're going to accidentally fall out of. You don't accidentally fall out of sin. Accidentally falling out of sin is the same probability of accidentally falling into fitness. Nobody does it accidentally. You, know, you don't accidentally fall into a pile of kale chips and steamed broccoli. You accidentally fall into Cracker Barrel seven too many times or Fred's Market where they have unlimited bacon 
That's where you accidentally fall into. When Cain and Abel had their little spat, by little spat, I mean the first murder, pretty big deal. The Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? Because Cain brought the wrong offering, Abel brought the good offering, and, and Cain threw a fit. And God said, why are you so furious? Why do you look despondent? If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Wouldn't it be different if we understood that sin was crouching at the door? I've shared this before, but because I didn't grow up in the church, I get to try a lot of different things. And when I was a Bible teacher at a private Christian school, I did that thing where I put, um, my, I, I was teaching Bible to seventh graders, and I said, you know what we're going to do? You guys don't believe that Jesus is with you. So I printed out a picture of Jim Caviezel when he was cast as Jesus, and I put it on cardstock, and I had them all put it on their shoulder, and I printed the perfect picture. It had to go on their left shoulder because it was Jesus as Jim Caviezel, or Jim Caviezel as Jesus, looking up like this right on their shoulder, like a hundred students. I didn't get permission because who would need permission to print out Jim Caviezel's face and make kids walk around all day? Um, lo and behold, I got in a little bit of trouble because it was one of the crucifix ones where the crown of thorns on, there's blood, and the teachers, uh, the, the administration said, um, uh, Mr. Tarona, could you please come to the office? I got called to the office as a teacher also, not just as a student. And they said, why are there kids walking around with Jesus on their shoulder? I said, because I'm teaching a Bible class. I want them to understand that Jesus is with them, near them, on them, around them. And they said, well, it's a little graphic. I said, yeah, that's not my fault. Take that up with God. He's the one that did that. Like God planned that thing. I just printed it. And, um, and they walked around. They said, sounds good. And the kids were astonished at how much it changed their behavior. Running around just with paper Jesus on their shoulder. I said the next day, how did it go? Well, I couldn't cuss. I felt so bad when I judged other people. I felt like Jesus was with me all the time. Really? Isn't that weird? What a concept. I said, did it change your sin life? Oh, yeah. You know, it, it changed my sin life. None of them came back and said, you know what I did, Mr. T? I sinned like gangbusters. Because Jesus was focused right in their eyes, right in the periphery. Because if he's not there, there's something else that's crouching right at the door. It's, it's, not, it's not meandering by. Sin's not over here saying, Ah, oh, Lucia, I see you over there. I'll come and see you next Tuesday. No, that's not what sin's doing. Sin is like this. I'm waiting. I'm ready. You fail, I'm here. I'm going to get you. And all of a sudden, we take our eyes off of the sin for a minute, we leave the door cracked with a moment, and it will pounce. Now, some of you are like, I don't want this. This is terrifying. Yes, it is. You could print out a picture of Jim Caviezel and put it on your shoulder. Just make sure it's from the Passion and not the Count of Monte Cristo. I don't think that's a long-term solution. I just like to see who has my cultural references. The power in this text is that God will appoint things to get our attention. God appointed the plant and then appointed the worm. Don't waste the appointments that God has for you this week. Don't waste the times where God is trying to get your attention because you're so busy focused on just the humdrum of life that you can't stop and see, this is, must be a God thing. 
Like this week in my life was full of those, there's got to be God things going on. People said, how was your week? And when you respond by saying everyone's alive, you know that's been a weird week. My, my new nephew, my newest nephew, Elliot, is in TGH. He's one pound, I believe, 11 ounces now, born at 25 weeks. The fire blew up. My mother-in-law and my other niece and nephew were in the car. They walked away alive. Uh, my sister-in-law is visiting. And historically, we've butted heads. But we're here five days later. Neither of us have killed each other. So I'm counting this week as a win, family. God has gotten my attention this week. Now, will he get it next week? I hope so. Will I be able to see? Will I have the right glasses on to see what God is doing in my life and to say, this is an area where I need to plant a seed because I've let this area be devoured by sin. And here's the joy of it all. And this is the thing that I think makes a chapel unique is that we understand that we are broken, sinful, messed up, jacked up people. But we also understand that we are fully loved by God. That no matter how much sin is in your life today, before God, you stand as perfect. You stand as Christ. You stand as legally adopted. You stand as in the forever family. Nothing can take you from God's hands, no matter how much you've blown it yesterday, no matter how much you're blowing it today, and no matter how much you will sin and wreck life tomorrow. If your faith is in Jesus, you are his, and the seed of God is planted, and it's spreading. And it's going to begin to take over areas of your life that are out of focus from God and crush the weeds, crush the death, crush the chinch bugs, spiritually speaking. And it will give you a new life. But it's a patient game because God is patient with Jonah. God is patient with you and he is patient with me. I pray that you would be in this for the long haul. I, I've told people before and I'll, I'll end with this. Um, I don't want to ever leave the chapel. This is my first, what they call senior pastor job. I put it in quotes because they don't have these jobs in the Bible so I don't like the title very much. I want to give my life to a community, to a city. I want to see God change the way that churches interact with cities. I'm so proud of the Fifth Sunday team. This Sunday, they're going to be going out and feeding the homeless downtown. They're going to, that's why all the boxes are. They're going to hand out shirts, make sandwiches, and they go downtown. And they, they will feed and care for and pray with and, and engage in the lives of others who have had difficult times following them because it's a little taste of God's kingdom. It's a little moment where the seed has grown out of somebody and it's beginning to now impact those around them and change a city. I promise you, you know, the, the people that started Fifth Sunday, I think it was like Derek and Gary Randolph and this crew, it's begun it. Christy, been part of this Fifth Sunday thing. They didn't start out as these selfless saviors. I can say that because I know humans, but God's seed has grown in them and it's spreading. And I pray that it would do the same in you this week. Let's pray. Father, um, help us to not be addicted to sprint spiritual growth, but to marathon spiritual growth. Help us to see that your seed is planted in our hearts already, and it will win. Victory is assured. Death, the death of death is imminent. The death of sin is coming like a tidal wave. Help us to embrace, Lord, that truth. Help us to understand who we are going to be, and help us to live in that power today. Help us to not be consumed with the weeds and the things around us, but to rise above those things and plant your word deeply in our hearts so that we will not sin against you. 
Lord, I love you. I thank you for your goodness and mercy and tenderness and kindness toward weary, restless children like me. Plant the seed deep this week in Jesus' name. All God's kids said, amen.